talk about how there's this alleged glass ceiling for people like me, but then it's like, when I break through this glass ceiling, they're the ones that come for me, hmm. you know? Because you come through on the wrong team. Yeah, we're offensive. We, we disrupt their narrative too much. If you came through on greens or teal, Oh, yeah, exactly. They'd probably be running ads for me, you know. <laughs> they were getting, the two were getting some really good free advertising in the age. Of course they were. Like they were just, they were, that's. They're aligned. Yeah, and that's, that's Paul. He, he's, that's him. So thank you for coming into this beautiful, do you, do you smell that? Do you know what it is? I told you it's lamb neck. It's covered, can you detect the flavors? Um, I'm going to guess. Yes, can I guess? Yes, oh, we, have we yes. started recording? Oh, yeah, I'm going to publish this. Yeah. Oh, excellent. Okay. I reckon paprika? Garlic? Oh, yeah, it's definitely garlic. Uh, you know what's throwing you off than paprika? It's chili, which is chili. the same sort of thing as Spicy paprika. or not really? Yeah, it's pretty spicy. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Olive oil and salt and lemon. Oh, it's going to be amazing. All right. Welcome to the show, everyone. Um, I'm, I love it when I get to talk food with my guests. And we have <laughs> a guest today who's from one of my favorite areas in Melbourne, Box Hill. Born there, bred there. Bred there. Sounds like you're an animal. Born, raised in Box Hill, works there, and is running for the seat of Box Hill for what we've just been discussing, the wrong party. Because as a, <laughs> let's get right into identity politics, identity politics. As a female, as an Asian, you're supposed to come up through the teal movement. As a young person. As a young person. Well, yeah, Greens or Labor. That's oh, what people exactly. always ask Greens me. or Labor, yeah. yeah. And how dare you? You're running for what party? The Liberal Party. Unbelievable. The pale, stale male party. <laughs> I wrote an op-ed about that, yeah. So, well, please tell me. Not everyone's read that op-ed. What's the go? Why are you... Welcome to the show. Thank you. Why are you running for the Liberals? Thanks, Matt. That's really good. Well, look, I'll, I'll tell you the story from the op-ed, and um, that really helps explain why. Why the Liberals? Um... I'm not sure which camera I meant to look at. You don't have to do look at me. You? Yes, really yeah, we'll, we'll just talk. If you do want to talk to people like Tony Abbott used to do, you can look at that camera there and be like, you must vote for me. And then when he did that a lot, he was one of the first people to do that in Parliament. Direct to camera. He'd always, yeah. yeah, he'd just ignore the speaker and everything. And yeah, yeah, yeah. For the benefit of those who can't see behind the scenes, there's actually three cameras set up, yeah. a bunch of lighting, yeah. the faint smell, not faint, it's actually quite strong, strong of lamb in the background, Garlic, yeah, uh, but delicious. Anyway, yeah. sorry, I digress. The age article. <laughs> the age article and my background. So um, my family, uh, or rather my parents migrated here in 1987 mm. from Malaysia. Mm. Uh, well, first it was dad and uh, he left behind my mum, who then migrated in 1988. They were married. Uh, and they both came from a small town in Malaysia where really they came from poverty. More so my mum, who um, my maternal grandmother survived the Japanese invasion of World War II mm. by hiding in the jungle. Uh, and um, just the background that she's from, because she was the eldest child, uh, an eldest daughter in that family. She wasn't able to go to school. There were cultural expectations. They lived in poverty. She had to look after the family. Mm. So um, my papa, which is um, Mandarin for um, grandmother, mm. uh, grew up um, not being sent to school. In mm. fact, she tells us these stories of her standing outside the classroom where she would drop off her siblings and trying to look through the window to just peer in to just get, catch glimpses oh, of, really? of learning. So the so, males went in? Uh, well, no, no, it was just the rest of her family. Oh, so she was the eldest female, so she oh, looked sure, after sure. Um, the rest of the siblings. Yeah. And so she would she would try and stand outside the window and just that's try amazing. and catch some glimpses of learning, like yeah. I said. And that's how she knows her numbers, one to ten. So yes. she knows how to, you know, grocery shop and things yeah. like that because she knows those numbers. But outside of that, she's illiterate. Oh, wow. And they think, because they don't have records for her, that she turns 89 this year. Wow. And to this day, 
lives in Malaysia and still cannot read or write. So that's the, that's the family my mum comes from. Mm. And really what I speak of is my papa is so brilliant and works so hard to make sure that her kids had a better life than what she had. And so she made sure all eight of her kids got sent to school, got to read, got to like learn to read and write, got to learn. Mm. And really what it was, was the aspiration of one generation resulted in progress for the next. Mm. So for my mum, then was able to learn to become a teacher and was a teacher um, back in Malaysia. Mm. Um, and at the age of 22, she moved over to join my dad in 1988, who'd gone first for a better life for their family. Yeah, yeah. And so that, and that's- you were born here. I was born here oh. in Box Hill. So Box we Hill are Hospital. ABCs, you know that term. Yes. Everyone, everyone watching probably is Australian born Chinese. Hello, how are you? I also got called a banana growing up. Now, really? I know that's Yellow probably- Yellow on the outside, what's on the inside? White? White. Like kind of. How, oh, because you're born here. Yeah, yeah. Which I, I don't know if that's PC oh, to say anymore. But I don't care. That's what others said about me. So it wasn't. I like watermelon <laughs> for the uh, watermelon for the greens. Green on the outside, red in the middle, labour on the inside. Have you not heard that? Good. No, I've not heard they're, that. They are watermelons. What's they, a teal then? Simon Holmes, of course. Little. <laughs> I don't want to. Some weird hybrid fruit that we've. Yeah. Anyway, that's yeah. besides the point. Anyway, so my, my parents moved here. Mum was so young when she moved here. Dad is like, you know, and dad tells us these stories mm. of him working a full-time job and two part-time jobs mm. so they could get ahead. Mm. And one of those part-time jobs, he loves, it's just like Asian dad starts, like he loves telling this story. He came here with $800, which mm. was his life savings and one suitcase and worked these, you know, one full-time job, two part-time jobs, including one cleaning a to toilets at mm. the local RSL mm. so they could get ahead. Mm -hmm. In 1989, at the end of, they were able to achieve the Australian dream and buy their first home. For in 30 grand. <laughs> <laughs> no, but anyway, still. And interest rates, I believe, were 17 or oh, 18% okay, right, right, at that time. Right, so, right. And for them, that was a big deal. They had to loan money of off their friends. There were migrants, life savings of $800, um, working these three jobs. In only a few years, he was able to buy a home. Wow. Yeah, really, really remarkable. Uh, and so they bought that home and that was their dream to own their yes. first home. And they bought it in Blackburn North, which is oh, in nice. the electorate of Box yeah, Hill. Yeah. And they still live there to this day. Oh, how nice. So again, like that's mum and dad just working hard. And, you know, they, they took, again, bank loans to send my brother and I. It's just the two of us to yes. private schools. Yes. So another example of the aspiration of one generation resulting in progress for the next. So when I was pre-selected and became the candidate for Box Hill, it was... It was amazing for them. I think mum and dad just were so overjoyed oh, because yes, it was yeah. representative, not of my triumph, but of theirs as yes. well, of, of moving to a, a foreign country, mm. not knowing, you know, not knowing the language, not knowing um, anyone here and, and having to start from scratch because they were pursuing a better life for their family. And I think credit to every migrant family, and I mean, more than 50% of Australia is migrants mm -hmm. as of the last census where either they themselves were born overseas or one or both of their mm. parents were. Um, and I think that's a, a shared story amongst many of us where, um, you know, I think of growing up and with mum and dad, I had to proof all of their work documents from primary school um, as a primary school student because they were still learning the language and still, you know, um, uh, you know, getting familiar with English. And, and so, you know, when I say that they didn't know the language, it wasn't that they didn't, but you know, there's kind of those barriers and yes. challenges. So anyway, um, I say all that to say that it was just such a success for them because it was representative of the, 
sacrifices and everything that they gave up and what that was able to achieve. And so when you ask why you are liberal and, and why the Liberal Party and, and not another party, it's because of those values. <coughs> it's those values Sounds that very I, was, liberal, yeah. I was raised on. Aspiration, um, reward for effort, enterprise, like all of those things are liberal values and are at the core of who I am and how I've been raised. And I think it's a false narrative. Like they often, I don't know, you know, you've got the Labor Party that often tries to monopolise migrant communities and say, no, they're with us. But when you look at the values that we stand for, like those things of aspiration and, and freedom even, many many people move to, you know, Australia to get away from um, uh, whatever regime they might come from in their home country. Those are those are values that are liberal, and so really traditionally, those values for migrants would align with the Liberal Party. Do you think it's a more natural home? Absolutely, absolutely. Why yeah. does Labor have a strong stranglehold? On it? I think they do better at their marketing. Um, was probably my view. I, I have a good friend that um, tells a story of having migrated here when she was um, a child from India. Yes. And within the first few years, they had a, a knock on the door from a Labor Party representative that whined and dined her parents wow. to try and get them to join the Labor Party. Wow. And she tells, um, <laughs> she tells the story really well, where she says, as astute Indians, what they did was they accepted the, the free meal, but they... They never joined the party. <laughs> well done. So, well done, yeah, exactly. So um, I think, you know, if they're doing things like that. Because you go out to Point Cook. This is on my heart a lot lately, Point Cook, is because out okay. there. Do you know the area? Well, west, yeah, yeah, I know where it is. No, yeah, it is. Yeah, super, yeah. super busy place, mm, high-density, mm. new development type yeah. area. Yeah. Uh, and the strong labour stronghold, and yes. they just won't replicate Point Cook Road, which everyone watching from Point Cook knows is just a mm. nightmare. But it's because there's no incentive to spend on these migrant communities. And I, I'm wondering yeah. whether in the outer ring suburbs of Melbourne, mm, whether mm. these communities are starting to realise that they're yeah. going to be neglected if yeah. they're such a safe seat. That's right. That's right. And I mean, you look at even the federal results in an area like this, where there were those swings, hard swings away from the Labor Party. And you think, well, you, you can't take communities for granted. Mm. And I think that's what the Labor Party has done. They've taken people for granted. They really have. And they have ruled by decree and they have, I mean, we've lived under it. It's been a dictatorship. And I, I don't say that lightly. It really has. I've had people. It was under Barry Duclean as well for our migrant communities in Southwest Sydney from where, where I'm from. Oh, that's they interesting lived under perspective. LGA. Yeah. Well, it's true. They well, lived under LGA lockdowns. Yes. I also lived in Vaucluse and Bondi. Yes, yes. And I lived in Campbelltown yeah, and Glenfield. Yeah, and so yeah. I know the difference. And the fact that at one stage of my life, I would have been free mm, to mm. not have my mask mandates enforced in Vaucluse. Mm, but if mm. I, two years earlier, if the lockdowns happened when I was in Glenfield, mm. they would have smashed me. Yeah. But I mean, I, I, I don't know. I, I would say with that, that wasn't a... I know that people tried to paint it as a racial profiling thing or, you know, that we're being discriminatory, but... Think about Victoria. We locked down the whole damn state, the whole of metropolitan Melbourne. Like in my LGA, where there were no COVID cases, they locked us down anyway. Mm. That to me seems more appropriate. So you like, you like of, the, the approach to slice well, it, it up a bit? Well, it's going to be, it had to be proportionate and it mm. wasn't proportionate in Victoria. And I mean, I'm a, 
I know, I know that's what your viewers think anyway, so mm. I'm preaching to the choir, but it, it just... Are you typecasting our channel? <laughs> no, not at all. We have attracted a lot of the people who are unhappy with Daniel Andrews. Uh, you know what, You though? mean the whole state? Or... Oh, wow. <laughs> no. Let's be honest, you're probably going to win Box Hill because if there's a margin there of, of a small margin, right? 3%, 3% or something. Yep. Yep. Uh, there's a huge attitude to... Mm. Dish out some punishment to Daniel Andrews. And, I think so. And, and Box Hill. So. I mean, what are the issues in Box Hill? They're not going to be worried about the things he's talking about, right? Mm, They're mm. more salt of the earth. Let's they get are. on with it. They are. Yeah. It's actually thirty percent Chinese background in Box Hill uh, as of the last census. Again, um, obviously, I've been looking at that um, quite closely. And the the local issues are what we're facing across the board: the cost of living, the fact that if you call an ambulance, that it's not going to come or it might not come. Um, we've got issues with overdevelopment, we've got issues with planning, we've got issues that have stemmed from the Labor government making decisions, like I said, ruling by decree rather than consulting the community or listening to what the community wants. So we've got this major issue, if I, if I can speak to that, mm. uh, where at the 2018 election, the Andrews government had pr promised to keep both Surrey Hills and Mount Albert stations. Oh, this is what you've been posting on social media. Yes. What's the go? Yes. So they promised to keep so two they stations. They promised to keep both stations. Now, can I just say those two stations have shopping villages um, that are built around the stations? Because you get that foot of traffic, course. right? Yeah, yeah. And so they promised to keep the two. They've since reneged on that and now they're just going to um, consolidate them and build the one. In a separate location? Separate location So entirely. those two little town centres will be dead. Forget about them. Forget about them. And they've just endured two and a half, or two years of lockdown um, where that's destroyed many small businesses already. So they've had that challenge. But why now, are they consolidating? Maybe there's a good reason. Uh, well... Uh, Traffic. Well, yeah. I think it's... I think it's money. What do you mean? That it's going to be cheaper to keep the one than, ha than renew the two like they originally... I, I don't know. And they won't show us the plans. Of course. So and we can't make that... Um, we can't speculate on that or rather we can't make that assessment because they won't show us or council or the residents the final plans. So, so those around there would have to just travel a bit further to go to the centralised station? Well, the shopping villages can't travel. They are no, fixed. Commuters and and so yeah. just let's just forget about those guys and that's that's a real challenge we've been working with traders on that front uh but more the issue is as well is union station they're trying to shoehorn this massive what mm. they've called a super station oh, into a residential street what in box hill uh it's in the electorate of box hill yeah, but it's it? in mont albert in mont albert okay so that was raised with me at, early months ago where um, i met with the residents on that specific street where that super station is going to be built above so if, ground if you know Not, yeah. yeah so okay. if you know mont albert yeah. it's it's you know it's um a really nice leafy suburb you know oh, you've got nice. tree-lined yeah. streets yeah. it's it's a really beautiful area so they have um basically turned this tree-lined beautiful suburban street into what will become a dead-end road oh. where the station will be the station entrance will be 4.5 meters which sounds you, know, you have to it's very close 4.5 meters yeah. to the boundary of to the train station frontage so and that's with a five meter wall at the front of these people's houses so it, it's hard to describe um verbally like a, you can go, so go on to their driveways or in their backyards um on on this specific street it would be or depends on which side of the street you live oh on, yeah so yeah. you come out your front door and you Bam, see train station dead end dead end road train station okay. and and it doesn't fit that they've asked for the plans they've asked to show what kind of mitigation they've 
they've had to um, make it, you know, less severe the impact on, on residents and they won't show us. Like, they won't show council, they won't show the residents. Why the secrecy that's enshrouded this whole project yeah, why? has been... I'd, often we find yeah. later on, I don't know yeah. about this project, but mm. often down in through the years we find out that the construction company or mm. there's always, um, there's always a, conflicts of interest at yes. minimum, but often yes. even more than that. Yes. So yeah. I guess in the years to come, we'll um, find out, but that'll be yeah. too late for the residents. Well, that's right. That's right. And this, this particular family that I'm working with, um, they're a young family. They've got young kids. And so I've got this great photo. It's not great. It's devastating on my social media of... Um, the uh, construction that's taking place right there. And that really shows the impact of um, her, it's the back of their fence. So there, um, all the construction that's taking place and they've got her, she's, I think her daughter is peering over yeah. and you can just see kind of the, I don't know how it's just got that devastating impact on, on that street. So, I mean, additionally to that, then they've been asking, hey, when will we get access to our houses again? Because it's been... Um, what do you mean access to your houses? Well, they, they've, they've closed the road so you can't actually get access. So there's no... How do you get home? You can walk? How do you get home? How would an ambulance get in if an ambulance needed to come to your house? So the footpath is open, but the road's closed? Is that Correct, yeah. So you've got to park around the corner or something? Yes, correct. Oh, okay. Yeah, right. so people can't drive, drive into their driveways, can't access their homes. They've For asked the question, when will we get our homes back? No answer. How long has it been? A few I days. think it was no, no. I think it's been months now. I think it's months. Been, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'd have they, to double check. Governments can really ruin your life. They really can. Oh. They really can. So you're now running for government, and mm. we started with a bit of identity politics. How mm. how is I've noticed on your social media that there's mm. been a bit of pushback. Yeah. Towards you, I don't know if it's based on race or gender. Mm, but, both. Uh, both. <laughs> yeah. From who who are doing these things? Are you able to even tell who's living? Um. Well. Yeah, and this is what I called out in the op-ed. Yeah. So the the title of it was "Pale Style Male Needs to Be a Needs to Be Smashed" is a term that needs to be smashed, and um, which which the editor obviously titled for me. Um, hence why I can't remember exactly what it's called. Yeah. But essentially, what I was speaking to was the fact that often left-wing media will talk about how there is a glass ceiling mm. for people like me, mm. and let's be frank, people that are young, ethnic females to get into politics so there's this I, I was listening as i said to you earlier um to ryan smith's interview um that you just did mm. where he said I, I don't know that i would encourage a young person to go into politics mm. because it is so sure. challenging and um yeah so the left media will talk about there's this glass ceiling it's impossible for you know people to get into politics uh and i refer to a specific article that and the age one of the age journalists had written saying that the, <laughs> and this was the irony, the um, Liberal Party is full of pale, stale males. Like you, yeah. Like, like me. Yeah. And, uh, and basically that we just have no success or, or no prospect of success come November. And if you read the newspaper that day, it was hilarious. I got a call that morning because someone had seen it before me. Um, it was two pages prior to that was a photo of myself. Yeah. Matthew Guy, who's yeah. Ukrainian, yeah. and Gladys Liu, the former federal member for Chisholm. Chinese as well, right? Chinese yeah, as yeah. well. Two pages later, it says pale style male. Yeah, well, yeah okay. Well, yeah. obviously no one's done a holistic kind of, uh, you know, uh, uh, what do you call it, um, edit of this paper today. And so I called it out. I said, well, if there is this glass ceiling, yeah. then why do you speak so negatively about people like me who disrupt your narrative in saying that we're a pale style male party 
and then release your trolls on me yeah. when when I do stand to the floor. So, I mean, um, I, I recently did a social media post on that as well, just calling that out of just, just the trolling I've the, received. Ab well, abuse that Straight you've up received. Abuse. Yeah. yeah. Racial epithets, yeah. signage yeah. and all this kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. But had you have been running for one of the other parties, I suspect there'd be less or perhaps none of that. Well, it seems to be the case. Yeah. I see other yeah. young women yeah. not getting it. Why, yeah. why is it that there is an approved side to be yeah. on with the media? Is it just that the media all supports? I don't know. That's a good question. I don't know. What do you think? I'm concerned that <clears throat> not just only do the mainstream media have a side that they've picked, that, mm. but other out media outlets like this mm. don't get the same kind of government-sponsored airtimes. Mm. So I'm concerned. Mm. I, yeah. I'm really proud. Not your father, but I'm proud to see. Oh, thanks, Dad. <laughs> I'm proud to see people who look like me, even though I'm yeah. not into identity politics, yeah, yeah, but you're yeah. rising up and saying, no, what are you talking about? Yes. I, yes. Here I am. I'm running for the... Yes. So do you do you feel that there's been a, a glass ceiling or have you felt held back yeah. by either your race or your gender? I want to know what... Well, that's what I was calling out. The fact that they have said and they have... They've imposed on us this concept. There's a glass ceiling for people like you to get into politics and that when someone like me does rise up and, and come into a position like being a candidate for the state election. They that make they'll, some glass, yeah. Yeah, that they will then attack me on, on issues, you know, they, they write negatively about me. Um, That's the glass ceiling. Some of the trolling that I've received is, oh, you're a token, relax, you know. <laughs> what does, That's one of the relax, statements. Relax as in you'll get in just because of your race. No, just chill out. Like, don't don't make a noise because oh, you're a token. just be the token. You know, just oh, be a token. It's yeah. fine. Okay. Uh, so, you know, the very people that criticise us are the ones that actually come for us when um when we succeed so it's i don't know that's virtue signaling at its worst i think but to go to your question on um yeah have you felt held back or benefited by being a token no not at all like i i am relatively new to the party yeah. uh my background's not in politics it's in the community and charity sector yeah. and so i came in and i mean that's a story in itself but i i haven't had any um uh, what would you say? Uh, it, it hasn't held me back in, in any way. What in about my, in your previous career or um, any of your careers since just in Australia? No, you are born here. Have you no, ever felt... No, we're a multicultural nation. It's not like that. I, I've never felt yeah, it either. I grew up yeah, in Bankstown, yeah, which is like Dandenong, right? Yeah. And, and full of Lebanese and Vietnamese and yeah. Asian. And it's, mm. I just, I've never felt like Australia's mm. a racist country. I know, there's, I know yeah. there's the white Australia yeah. policy. I know there are elements of racism. Yes. Of yep. course. Yeah. Growing up in the 80s and the mm. 90s, mm. oh gee, I had a beautiful multicultural free run. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So you feel, you felt same. the same? Same, absolutely. And I think as well with the um, with with all of this, the uh, oh no, I forgot what I was going to say. Well, <laughs> so you, polished. It's good. So I had, you, I had you a really good train of thought and I forgot. Well, well, you haven't yeah. you haven't uh, felt held back, which is nice. But you also Not haven't felt you've been promoted at any point throughout our society for being a female or for being Asian tokenism? Well, look, you know, I think they, um, there have been opportunities that I've been given because they've wanted to in, in, in all settings where people have wanted to, um, deliberately, uh, give another voice a go, which so is, that's affirmative action that you've been benefited uh, from. Well, I, I suppose in the sense of, um, representation, yeah. So not affirmative action per se, but representation in, in even, I think, 
you know, for example, our process of being um, selecting a candidate in the pre-selection process yeah. is that you, you know, you're voted by the membership of the party. Yeah. And so I think that would be have been in people's minds when they were voting that, yeah. OK, if it's the candidate for Box Hill, yeah. we've got to make sure that they represent Box Hill. Yeah. And so I'm, I'm not bashful about the fact that I represent Box Hill in the sense of 30 percent of it, like I had said earlier is Chinese background. It feels like uh, 100% more than, when I'm there. Yeah. <laughs> Depends where you go, I suppose. Box Hill Central Food's incredible. can feel like that. Yeah. Um, more than 50% is female, so I represent that. Yeah. And um, the largest cohort in Box Hill of age demographic is 25, no, 24 to 35 year old, which is my age bracket. That's 16%. It's a young demographic. Yeah, oh. yeah, 16%. So, I mean, I think the, the second most is either 14 or 15 percent so you look like box hill and box hill looks like you yes that, this is who i'm going to come yes. across in box hill. Oh. yes so i mean that's that and so that's that's representation that's what that is going people, up against paul hamer who has not been the greatest person that i've been emailing throughout the pandemic so i yeah i really yeah. hope that you you win thank uh, you but thank how you. do you know yeah. that it's not based on just in life in general not just yeah, politics yeah. <clears throat> have you ever thought about am i being promoted mm. for merit Mm. or something else or a mixture of both that is a great question and to go back to liberal values it is about merit and i you know there's been a lot of discussion around the party within and outside of it about whether or not there is the need for um quotas quotas and for us to promote females and um you know by by doing something like quotas or affirmative action like the, the labor party does but can I just say, for my pre-selection, there were seven people that yes. went for that pre-selection uh, and five of seven of them were male. Yeah. Uh, and uh, I, I was successful. How many of them were representative? So lived in the area and were Chinese and, you met, and this age group? Um, just me. Oh, really? Yeah. So you're the most representative of those pre-selection yes. candidates? Yes, and, and I'm not... Um, uh negating that that would help inform people's vote because they would see that and, and think okay well, we need to have true representation but i think that's what's great about the party in that it is a meritocracy that people that members are empowered to vote for and select who they deem the you know the the best candidate for the job whereas you've got the labor party and they just it's captain's picks over and over again and it's about factions and it's about I don't know, any time, you know, the classic is Andrew's where he talks about how, you know, he's so, or, or the party talks about how they're so representative and how, uh, you know, they're pro-women and they're pro-multicultural communities and then any time a woman speaks out against him, they get thrown under the bus. Poor Kashalia uh, Vagila. To like be fair, this. he'll throw any gender under the bus. Yeah, it's true, it's yeah. true, yeah. So in your pre-selection process, did yeah. you get a sense of why people were voting for you? Because some could have voted for you because of identity reasons, yes, yeah, right? Which we're yeah. saying is not the greatest idea. Mm, some mm, could have been voting because uh, you, they thought that you were more in tune with the electorate, which yeah. is a more merit-based approach. Yeah. Some could have voted because you have an impressive career. Why were they voting for you? Oh, you'd have to ask them. I don't, I don't know. I... So what's the deal with the pre-selection? I don't think many people realise. You just get a bunch of people in the Liberal Party, which you remember. Yes, and yes. And you all say, I want to run for this seat. And then mm. who votes? So it's party members. So party yeah. members in the area will vote as well as a um, cross-section of people across the party so that you get that um, 
it's democracy. It is actually people getting to vote and choose who they want as part of the party membership. And it's one of the rights of a party member that is um, really powerful, that you get to, to determine vote, yeah. who represents you. And because, run. You can vote and run if you're a pro Yes, oh, correct. Okay. So okay. You're, um, you're choosing for the seat, but you're also choosing for the party. So you're, yeah. because, you know, ultimately the candidate represents the party. Yes. So it, it, like, I, I think that's wonderful that you get to choose, that you have that right to choose. Whereas I don't know how it works in other parties. I have never been part of that process. Sure. So. And how, how many votes are we talking in your pre-selection? Like uh, how many people are voting? Uh, for mine, I think it was around 95. Okay, so yeah. all right. So you could actually go and meet everyone. You could yeah. really sell yeah, yourself. Yeah, you could, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And I think um, certainly with seven candidates, um, they felt inundated by those um, requests to meet. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Yeah. Okay. So you win that and then you go to the election. All right, cool. Mm. So what's going to happen now in November? Uh, 105 no, days, I think. Yes. What are you detecting? Correctly. Yeah. Ryan Smith, who you just listened yeah. to my chat with him, he yeah. says that he's detecting a strong mood yeah. against Andrews, even in previous non-liberal supporting yes. people. Yes, correct. Correct. But then you see a bunch of polls lately... <laughs> yeah. Right? Yeah. Not just the internal ones that PR Guy 17 reports, which is a joke. He used to be so much more PR interesting. PR Guy 17. He's so boring now. I know, but he's unmasked, so it's like his. That's the, not what's boring. The he mysticalness to, is gone. Oh, yeah, but he needs, to, he needs to be witty. He needs to yeah. trick and troll. And, yeah. But now he yeah. just comes out and he puts a picture of Andrews and says integrity, full stop. That's boring. <laughs> hey, so anyway, um, those yeah. internal polls yes. saying yes. that Labor's going to romp it in. But now I see in the papers there are uh, other polls now mm -hmm. saying that. Uh, they're on track for a big win. Yeah. But it's not lining up to what I'm hearing, not just from you and liberals, yeah. but just yeah. on the general, I'll go and order pizza. That's I felt, it. I fell off the wagon a few months ago. And I'm ordering. What wagon were you on? Keto? Eating healthy. Oh, eating healthy. Yeah. Oh, okay. Which yeah. for, usually for me, it's lower carbohydrate. Okay, I used to be okay. quite obese. Anyway, oh. talking to the guy doing, it's a pizza shop, Monte Carlo Pizza. I went for a drive down. Yeah. It's a little towards small business plug there. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he what, does, what suburb he is does it? KFC, uh, South down. I can't remember. Monte Carlo Pizza. Anyway, they do they do um, KFC uh, uh, Korean fried chicken in a pizza shop. It's amazing. That's amazing. Anyway, that's fantastic. So you're talking to these guys, yeah. and they hate labour too. And it's of course they do. Yeah, the working class, everyone, construction yeah. workers hate labour. Yeah. Yeah. So what's going on? Where yeah. are these numbers going to come from if he does win? I don't. I don't believe this. Look, I can't speak to the polling. Neither do I. Yeah. Neither do I. But what I can speak to is what I feel on the ground as well. And I'm out and about in the community every day. I've come from the community sector, right? And that's why I ran. That's why I'm running because I care about people and I'd seen the, the mess of government and how that had just so severely impacted people's lives. And that's what I'm hearing every day. Mm. I'm hearing from people who say, I, I was a, I think you say this, you're a lifelong Labor voter. Is that right? Well, I've like, always you been swinging. I voted okay. for Bill Shorten twice. Yeah, yeah. But I've also voted <laughs> for Howard. Oh, no, oh, sorry, just, you no, mean no. like... Yeah. yeah, I voted yeah. for the Labor... I was in Sydney. Oh, I voted yeah, for yeah, the yeah. Labor member to yeah. support Shorten, mainly yeah. to do this to Turnbull. But anyway, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So, but I hear from people who were like, you know, just rusted on Labor supporters their whole lives, whether it's at my husband's local footy club, whether it's... Um, one of the residents or a couple of the residents that are being impacted by this union station debacle, uh, whether it is um, people in the charity that I worked for. Are they turning? They're turning. Rusty. Who are saying that I was a lifelong Labor supporter, but I could not bring myself to vote for the Labor Party in the state again because they have ruined our state. And that's why I got into this. So if I can um, kind of 
Sure. Yeah. Um, Segway. Uh, Segway. Yes, that's what I was. I was like. To white white politics. <laughs> yeah. Was um, I was working in the charity sector, and our the food bank that I was the business development manager for was uh, prior to the pandemic providing food relief to two hundred people a week. Uh oh. Don't tell me. In twenty twenty, it went to three thousand people oh. a week. Three thousand. And that was in a matter of months. My job was to procure the sponsorships, the fundraising, the business support to be able to put the food on the shelf so we could feed these people. So you felt this pressure at the front line. You saw this. The, the, and even though that was my job, I, obviously it was all hands on deck because it just yeah. exploded in need. And I was at the coalface seeing international students lining up, women weeping because they were in line and they'd been told to go home. They couldn't get home because they... The borders were closed and the airfares were like $10,000 to, mm. let's say, go back to Colombia. Yeah, yeah. Um, they'd lost their job in hospitality because all of the sectors locked were closed down. and yeah. locked down. And they're lining up just in despair for food. Then, like, you know, I, I could tell you stories of even, you know, just you have those moments in, in life where you just, it's a memory that's seared in your, mem in, in mm. your brain. Mm. Even of... Um, and we're seeing some international students come out of the food relief center. And as soon as they walked out, they started stuffing their faces with the food. And it was just this sad reality of realizing that's probably the first food they've had this week. And that's, they're starving and they've walked through the center. And that, you know, I. That's, they like, can get food for free from this. Yeah, yeah. So this they, was the food bank. But they couldn't even get it home. They were out the front. Yeah, going, well, no, because they were starving. They hadn't eaten that week. Full on. And like, you, there was, you know, I remember seeing young families, like the mum, dad, and both of the kids, toddlers in line, lining up for food. Like there were people. So that was at the beginning of the pandemic, yeah, right? Yeah. Because, of course, it's like this worldwide pandemic we'd yeah. never seen before. Yeah, it was sure. unprecedented. Sure. And so we had to have really extreme measures. But when it got to lockdowns four, five, and six and became the longest lockdowns of the world, yeah. We had people that were in line that had lost their businesses. Right. They had small businesses they'd run for 20 years that were family businesses, lost their businesses. Yeah. People that were, you know, like tradies just like coming in, trying trying not to be seen because right. they were there because they couldn't work. Oh. Um, people in middle management, like kind of jobs, yeah. middle income earning jobs yeah. that had lost their jobs, yeah. never expected in their wildest dreams. You, you're talking about, let's say, just your um, nuclear family type yes. guy yeah. that had a job in a bank that yeah. lost his job because of, of redundancies or, or, or what have you, yeah. um, that would be hanging his head in shame, walking through the doors uh, with a mortgage, with you know private school yeah. fees to pay, but no money to buy food. Yeah. Like we had stories like that, right? So it was that seeing at the coal face how government decisions impact individuals' lives coupled with what we all went through in lockdown. We yeah. all did yeah. where you were there and all of a sudden there's an 8 p.m. curfew and you can't mm. leave your house after 8 p.m. Uh, there's the five kilometer radius where you can't go beyond that, the five kilometer radius, mm. like where they shut the playgrounds for kids because there was so much health advice around that. One year to the day that we put out a let us play thing with Matthew Guy, actually, yes. he came with us to a playground. Yes. That was insane. Yes, yes. And, and then there was that indoctrination day after day of those daily... Oh. Um, presses that, that he purple was purple backdrop sermons purple backdrop sermons oh it called. was it was just I mean and I, so I remember having 
you know, you have that personal impact. And I was so fortunate that I kept my job. So many people lost their jobs. Running the charity. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, you, you have that personal pain of, and we don't have kids yet. So yeah. it's not like we had to endure having to do the homeschool element yeah. of kids while you're trying to hold down your own full-time job, yeah. right? So, so there's two of you, you're married. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What does he do? He's in construction. Okay. Yeah. Sorry, so, I assumed it was a he and I assumed that you're married. It's, yeah. Because sometimes I say it to people and they're like, why do you assume I'm married? I'm partnered. And oh, well. all the time. Anyway, so he's in construction. Yeah, he he would have lost of his, he would have been Well, the well. construction um, industry was looked after in, in some elements. So oh, they could keep working. Yes, yes. Because they, none of the government projects stopped working. Ah. Anyway, so um, I think, yeah, it was the personal pain of feeling just, all of those civil liberties that a democracy stands for being eroded day by day, where you, you couldn't you couldn't leave your house. You you couldn't take your kids to the playground. Like you just... could for one hour a day. <laughs> Don't be so ungrateful. Did you see the numbers come down? Uh, you say so you said it was two hundred, then went up to or three hundred, whatever yeah. it was, up to three thousand. Three thousand. Yeah. And yeah. then you had a few more lockdowns. Mm. And what was it towards the end when you left? Did it was throughout twenty. 20 it um on average was 2000 a week yeah. in 2021 it the numbers changed and some people went back into employment so it's coming but down. it was more that we were seeing the prolonged effects of lockdown where there would be people that would come out and and, and we we didn't have a um our process is that if you if you're here we'll give you the food food bank does the same and in, in fact food bank um really lauded us at that time to, for, for doing that because there were many charities that you have to go through a bit of a, a clearance process where you have to show your um, concession card and sure. and um, or your healthcare card. And yeah. I mean, you, you saw the lines um, with Centrelink, like it would have been yeah. impossible to get one of those okay. at that time anyway. So it, our, ours was an honesty system in, yeah. the, in the sense of if you're here lining up, then you must need it. Yeah. And of course, there'll be people that wrought the system, but we... Yeah, well, for some bananas and milk, it's not caviar yeah. and lobster and crab. No. <laughs> so um, uh, I think... Um, Sorry, what were we saying? Oh, so did yeah. you see... Did, what is it? What the oh, numbers? Yeah, yeah. Did so, they come so, down? Yeah, so, so um, uh, to make the point that in 2021, there were people that were coming and it felt like because we were hearing it from some of the elderly um, population, you know, people that we were working with, they would come out and say, oh, you know, Nicole, you're the only person I've spoken to this week. Oh, right. And, you know, they, they'd be coming and it almost was the, like the for human connection. Yes. And, yeah. like, you know, man's not an island. Like, yeah. there's people that had been um, put to isolate that were then not having any connections to or any socialisation and... Like, I understand, you know, all the health things and, and things like that. But then so many stories we've heard of, of you know, older people that have regressed in their, mm. um, a good example is um, my husband's grandmother that, that mm. has dementia. And she mm. regressed in that mm. time because she wasn't having that interaction with other people. She wasn't having conversations and it was a real challenge for her. And so she's now since gone into a home because she regressed in that time because of lockdowns. Mm. Like, there, mm. there are many stories like that. Mm. And so what we're seeing... We were seeing the, the demographic change throughout mm, that time. Okay. And like I said, lockdowns four, five and six yeah. then presented those um, longer term issues of people that had lost their businesses or, you know, otherwise. And So are the um, food banks still busy now? Busier than before the Busier pandemic? than before the pandemic, certainly. Okay. Um, less so now the economy's kind of, okay. kind of gotten back to it. Um, okay. We've got a long way to get back to the black, that's for sure. Um, but anyway, saying all that to say that 
I think between feeling that loss on a personal level and then um, experiencing what I did in the food bank and seeing firsthand, uh, having come from that sector in the community and charity sector, the, my, my whole life really was about making a difference for people and making a difference at a grassroots level. But it becomes very frustrating at a grassroots level when you can see there's systemic issues up the chain mm. that are preventing you from making a difference in these people's lives or uh, the reason why these people are in this situation. And so for me, there was just, I don't know, I, I, I don't know if it was like a um, colourless moment or an epiphany or, or, or whatever, but it was just... It was probably rage, if anything. <laughs> I think after being in lockdown for so long and thinking, when will this ever end? It was just an aha moment for me where I said, enough is enough and we need to make a change. The, the, politics is about people. Mm. It's about people's lives and people matter. And we've seen two years in particular, and even prior to that, of a premier that does not give a rip about people couldn't care less for the consequences to children and their mental health, to the economy, to people's businesses. The amount of small businesses that we've heard from that have had to close or have suffered through the pandemic. Australian Financial Review said at the start of this year, I believe, that Victoria is the hardest place to do business. That was before the pandemic. That was, exactly. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah the burdened with yeah. taxes and, 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 and just... Anyway, so I think for me that that is... Um, um, I don't know, you know, different people have their different reasons why they go into politics. But, but for me, it's, it's genuinely about people. What, like, I, I want to go and actually serve the community and represent the community and be there for them, not for me. So, but he would argue that that's exactly what he did or why he did what he did. What could, what could he have done, Nicole? What would the Liberal government have done? Mm, well, I mean, I know you weren't there. I'm just saying, yeah, yeah. You know, it's easy for us to sit here and say, well, he screwed it up. Because he did. But yeah. what could he have done it's, it's a hard hypothetical to um, offer suggestions on because I wasn't there and yeah. I wasn't in politics at that time. But I could even like speak to what is right now yeah. when we're looking at the health crisis that we're in, when we're yeah. looking at uh, the, um, you know, kids are still having to go to school with masks. I know it's not a mandate. But it is by stealth. Yes, exactly. Like what, what, what I would do differently now at those things. that We've got to redress these issues that have come out out of the pandemic and so what would i what would we do differently i can speak to now is how about don't cut two billion dollars from the health budget mm. how about if an ambulance that you call for for you know i think it's we're up to 21 deaths of people that have died because the ambulance didn't come when they had called for one you got it yeah putting all policies aside, just briefly yeah. uh if, if you're in a vulnerable stage of life, yes. I don't care who's in government now, mm. and it might even take Liberals if you get back in a bit of time to get it back yeah. under control. Yeah. And you may not like this message yeah. that I'm about to say, but if you're yeah. in a vulnerable stage, you might be better off in a different state for the next few years, just for your safety. Like some people, when they fall over, they need an ambulance there at that stage of life. Mm. I'm not sure Victoria is the safest place for them for the next few years at least. And that's, and that's 60,000 Victorians that have left the state would agree. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I thought you were about to segue if you're in a vulnerable, because we've touched on some pretty heavy stuff. And if you are in a vulnerable place, then like Lifeline. Oh, yeah. Lifeline, sure. Yeah, I, I thought you were about to go there. That's that's, no. that's probably the charity hat that we always, if, if, if it goes there and we start talking about heavy stuff, we always want to give that um, no. opportunity for people to, sure. to reach out to sure. those no. appropriate channels. Yeah, if, no, I'm, I meant more that I'll, I'm encouraging people to get leave, out leave while you state. can. <laughs> well, if you're in a vulnerable position, 
yeah. if I was really old, I'd say to my yeah. wife, we need to move back to New South Wales for a bit. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, uh, yeah. so what about the opposition? How do you feel? You were, you were a Liberal Party member for how long? Um, I joined in 2020. Good. Yeah. So you were a Liberal Party member during the pandemic. Yep. What did you think of the Liberal Party's opposition in, say, Victoria? Mm, mm. And in, well, I don't know if you're watching Queensland, but if you have mm. any of the states really yeah, yeah, yeah. going up against a Labor government, yeah. Yeah. how do you think they performed, the opposition? Um, I'll say this. It is really hard to get the airtime that we want and it is really hard to be in opposition to get the um, time on the media. And, and you, you mentioned that, that as an independent media source, if you're not being funded like the ABC or oh the SBS or, or what have you, then it is challenging to be able to get that messaging out. Mm. And it does really appear to be, in, in my view, that the media is compromised in the sense of Andrews has got all of his lackeys there and the way that they scrutinise us versus the way they scrutinise him seems to be a double standard, just saying. So I think we could have done better. I actually do think that. How could you have done better? Because you just said the media yeah. were being a dodgy thing, yes. which I would agree with. Yes. Now the next bit, what yeah. did you guys do, Pauline? What could you have done better? I think we could have been more vocal about it. We should have... Uh, what does well, that mean? Uh, I mean, look, I... Um, I was a party member towards the end of 2020, so okay. I don't know right. sure. what we were talking about internally and how vocal we were being, but it did feel like from the outsider's perspective, yes. it was hard to cut through in, uh, in mainstream media. And now from an inside, insider's perspective, even more so, where you realise, oh my gosh, we're just not getting the airtime that we want to get. Like we're talking about what, you know, all of these issues that are pointing to systemic corruption in the government that we have in the Andrews government is like, it's just not headline worthy. Like they'd rather talk about how Matthew's now, you know, going by Matt Guy than they would about yeah. Andrews going to IBAC three times <laughs> but in you, private yeah, I know. and not being but, stood down or not quitting like, or not resigning like others would. But The yeah. state is corrupt, I know. But you just said that you could have been more vocal. Mm. The party could have been more vocal, even as you look at it from the outside. How mm. could they have been more vocal given the yeah. media blackout? Mm. Um, I don't know. I, I suppose... Well, there were times where they did speak, right? And some of the accusation against the opposition to say you don't stand for anything because during the pandemic you didn't say anything. And you're saying, well, at times the media wouldn't let you speak, wouldn't give you the airtime. Mm -mm. Yes, true. Yes, yes. But when Matt Guy and Friends... Oh, it was Michael O'Brien. It was Michael O'Brien, yeah. yes. <laughs> some of the pollies in here have had some choice things to say about Michael O'Brien off camera. When, when uh, Liberals did have a chance to say something, often it was, it was a veiled support for Andrews with very weak criticisms with a it was like you're scared to stand up and say there's a better way and it depends at which stage of the pandemic we're in as well we're talking because back end now yeah yeah you're talking about back end, yeah, end of at, at the beginning of course you everyone know, says the same thing fine yes yeah. and there there is a bipartisanship that needs to be agreed yeah, upon like and, and many states were like yeah. that because yeah. we're just going to put our heads down and, and you know get through it together that yeah. you know um it was, it was something that the world had never faced before. Mm -hmm. Towards the back end of it, we were. We were out there. And particularly when Mac, you know, became the opposition leader again, mm. where we were calling him out, that the lockdowns were disproportionate, mm. that the, um, the health advice needed to be published, that the things that they were doing were really dictatorial. And so for a long time, we ran a platform on no more lockdowns because the lockdowns, I mean, it's like... I don't even know what to liken it to. It was just it would be it would be the the breeze of a wind of of 
one case. Oh, let's lock down again. Like I think we got to a case where it wasn't yeah. even cases, wasn't it? There might have been another state preemptively locked down. Oh no, they did that in South Australia yeah. and and WA. Yeah. No cases. Yeah. With no lockdown. with no consideration as to the broader impact on the economy, on people's mental health, uh, to the state itself. Like it's we were calling that out towards the end, particularly in twenty twenty one. I would say it felt very slow though. Because you're our only voice as an opposition. You're the only yeah. voice for those who are opposing what the current government of the day is doing. Yeah. So which it did feel which, very slow. Yeah, which when, when I say to be more vocal as well, I think I really admire your platform. For example, someone like Emily from Voice of Victoria, Dan Must Go, all of these Instagram platforms which are on social media, or oh, Real Rukshan. Um, but I have invited people like, not just Matthew, mm. but many, many politicians, and uh, they are just so reluctant to sit down and have even like a friendly, warm discussion like we're mm, having now. Mm, yeah. And I just feel like they could have done not just with us, but they could have mm. made themselves more available all across. So, sure. Yeah, I, I don't. And you are doing yeah. it right now, so yeah. I appreciate that. Yeah, I, I yeah. hope you continue to do that when Thank you're a you. member for Box Hill. Yes, me too. Because I can't get Paul Hammer to sit down. <laughs> Yes, neither can the uh, local constituents ah! who have questions for him. No, genuinely. Yeah, I know. No, genuinely. Just... Yeah, they can't get answers from him about uh, the train station being built in front of their house. But So let's go to you, because okay. yeah. people are going to have yeah. to vote for you. Maybe they've yeah. already made their minds up, maybe they haven't. But w- yeah. why did you get involved in charities? Because to me, that seems like such a non-glamorous career. Mm, mm, yeah, and I think, um, you know, I, I, I joked about disrupting the narrative before, mm. um, but I, I think it is the case where... I've come from the charity sector. I had a journalist call me yesterday and say, oh, I just wanted to you know, catch up with you. Maybe let's do coffee. You're a lawyer, right? <laughs> I said, no, actually, I'm from the charity ah. sector. <laughs> yeah, why aren't you a and, lawyer, an architect or a doctor? You have oh, Asian parents. I know. I don't know. To my parents' great dismay. Yeah. 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 I mean, were I, they j- disappointed? They, they actually were. Yeah. They were. I, um, I, <laughs> um, I don't know how much your your community would know about having a tiger mum, but um, that, that's a that's pretty. I suppose in terms of slang, people know that that concept. Um, but my there's a there's a really funny um, uh, anecdote where we got married three years ago. Actually, it's nearly our wedding anniversary. My husband and I, and at uh, my wedding in my dad's speech, the first thing he talked about was how in my for my ATAR I got a ninety eight, not a ninety nine. <laughs> and you <laughs> still just, didn't go into pharmacy or medicine which with is a ninety eight. Typical of an Asian parent, yeah, like yeah, that yeah. that tiger mum or dad thing. And I just thought, oh, like you know, it's my wedding. It's our wedding day. Like I had graduated school, yeah. I don't know, ten years or plus. And and Dad thought the the best thing to do was yeah. say, oh, you know, Nicole, she, yeah. you know, I love Nicole, but you know, you do let me tell you about everything. this man. I do the accent. Uh, let me tell you about Nicole. Well, you know, she got a she got a ninety eight, not a ninety nine. <laughs> I was like, read the room, Dad. No one cares about my eight. That's my wedding, wedding day. But they, that's the thing; they do it with the best of intentions. They're they're just they're our, our parents. Yeah, that. yeah. So I think because they had sacrificed so yeah, much, yeah, as I'd yeah. said, and and you know, given up so much for us to have the best of educations and the best opportunities in life. And again, that's a liberal value to have the equal opportunity and to have 
um, not equal outcome, but equal opportunity and to have these opportunities for... They'll do a gotcha on that, you know. What's that? They'll say, you say equal opportunity, but not equal outcome. <laughs> they say, so are you yeah, saying it's, cool. it's okay for some person to end up with a small, tiny house and a big house? And yeah, because we, we believe in merit and reward for effort. <laughs> so there should be a difference in outcomes then because there is not an equality of effort. I'll tell you that much. Well, there's no, there's not, there's not. And I, um, socialism would say, oh, everyone should get the same outcome. But liberalism would say that you work hard and you receive what you work for. That, I agree. But you know what the real and not, problem and, and look, not Maybe not everyone believes that, but. Well, yeah, but a lot of the yeah. problem is not that they don't agree with what you just said. They mm. agree, they think that the system is rigged into many ways it is. Mm. Like you can work hard, yep. but then a crony, Dan Andrews type can come in mm. and take stuff yeah. and it doesn't yeah. get. Yeah, yeah. and that's what we're seeking to change but mm. I, you know like sometimes people ask me why are you standing for box hill i'll tell the story and, and, and all of that but essentially for me it's the place that gave my parents the opportunities they only dreamt of mm. they moved from malaysia and it, you know from the poverty they'd come from and they just we were just having a go you know they they went out on a limb let's just mm. let's just go for it and let's try our hand at a new country and there there's more opportunity there so you know, they just fortuitously landed in Box Hill. And like I said, they bought their first home and they've lived there ever since. And you say fortuitous, but we gather, Asians gather. Yeah, yeah. birds of a feather flock together. Yeah, yeah, My yeah. dad will only live in you know, Asian suburbs. <laughs> I don't know about my parents, but they, um, uh, and I don't know, 30 years ago, if it was like that or 35. No anyway, it doesn't. Um, so, um, yeah, like Box Hill, Box Hill for me represents the place that our family was given opportunities that they wouldn't have got otherwise. Okay. And that's why I, I'm so passionate about this particular community because it's the place, it's the place I come from. Is Paul Hamer running for the seat again? Uh, yes. Oh yeah, you'll win. Okay, so did you go to uni? I uh, did, yes. I did what a Bachelor of Arts and I'm... <laughs> like we all did. I did. Yeah. It's very helpful. Yes. And I'm, oh, I'm so close to finishing my Master of, of Adolescent Health and Wellbeing because that's my background as well in youth work. Oh. Yeah. And um, I have just my thesis to go. I don't know when I'm going to do that. What is that? Given it's campaign never, season. So but. it means that you, you'll still be working in the, I don't know what that sector is called, charity sector, post-politics. You're setting yourself up for a career there still? Uh, well, no, I did that to further just professional development, really. I was a youth pastor and youth worker um, prior to my work in charity. So um, the adolescent health and wellbeing field um, has a lot of different, it's, it's quite niche, it's at Melbourne Uni and it's got a lot of nurses, it's got people who work in the AOD space. Oh, so it's broad. Okay. Yeah, it's okay. broad. Okay. But um, for me, that was just an upskilling and professional development thing that I did that, yeah. you know, when you do a part-time master's, it's just, is very protracted. And here I am, years later, having still not completed it. Sorry, mum and dad. <laughs> so it's, I just find it interesting because the uh, ambition yeah. Uh, in one sense, you're very ambitious running for, for politics. Yeah. But in another sense, doing community work is not mm. the most, it's not a bad yeah. career, but it's not the self-focused, ambitious career of a lawyer or I'm going to conquer the world. Instead, you're thinking I'm going to help this group or that not, not that all lawyers are ambitious or you, you need a certain amount of ambition yeah. to go through. I went to the law school. You, yeah. It's not the same as going to charities. Yeah, 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 much. that's true. Well, I don't know. I think for me... It's always been about giving back and there's this Why? grounding. I, I, I actually did, um, I went to law school um, and 
I think I did about eight months at Monash. Didn't like it. And it just wasn't, it just, I didn't feel like that was for me. Like I, right. I wanted to actually be with people. Right. I wanted to advocate for people. I wanted to serve yeah. the community. I wanted to make a difference. Why? And it sounds so, I don't know, it sounds so, um, uh, cliche doesn't no, but it? But it's like, clearly oh, real. Make a difference, but because I, I you're doing it with your life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah. I want to know why. Yeah. What drove it? Did your parents give you a certain set of values? Why? I, why? No, I, I think it's just innate within me. I think um, they're yeah, certainly. Like my, it was part of my my values in upbringing, but also my values of my faith that I, I want to contribute to the world. I want to help. Uh, I want to help people. Um, and so for me, the when you say there's got to be a certain level of ambition as a politician, I suppose yes. But for me, that's not what grounds me as a politician or as a candidate seeking to be the member of parliament for that area. For me, what drives me is yeah. wanting to make a difference and wanting to bring politics back to being about people, not being about ambition, not being about self-serving agenda, not being about, for some people, maybe it's a power trip. I don't know. Like I can't speak for other people, but for me, the, the true essence of an elected representative is that you would represent your community, yeah. that you would be someone that actually serves. It's it's the public service. That's what it's called. Yeah, but you, you serve the public. You serve your community. And coming from the charity sector, I think, brings a different lens because that's what I've been doing. Like, I haven't been in it for for the money or for the yeah. status or for the really? whatever reason, yeah. you know, people go into whatever. Um, but for me, it's been about serving people and serving the community. And that's what I, I, I believe I bring to this role. And so I suppose I don't really feel ambitious in the sense of what you were saying. I think what drives me is my community and wanting to do the best by and make a difference in my community. But this is, this is uh, it's, it's frustrating on a level for some yeah. people to figure out your why because People like you who truly believe in, in community service, mm, it's mm. so natural to you. Yeah. It's like yeah. when you describe it to me or others, it's like you're like, well, of course that's the way. And I'm trying to tell you, no, it's not. Most of us <laughs> most of us don't think about serving others yeah. with such a focus as in what you've described. Yeah. It's yeah. Ab abnormal. Oh, look, I think I think some of it comes from my faith. Like it really does. Christian Be faith. Yeah, my Christian faith because or even my dad's a Buddhist. Even in, in Buddhism, like there there is a sense of giving back. There's a right. sense of of um, karma, there's a sense of, you know, um, you know, in Christianity, you sow and you reap, like across many different faiths, there are a pillar of faith, whether it's Islam or, mm. or Buddhism or Christianity is giving back and, and, and of service. And so when you look at someone like uh, Jesus, then that's, he was the servant king. He came to serve, mm. not to be served is what the Bible says. So for me, I think that's part of what informs my decision to serve others. And I think it was also the way I was raised. Like again, my dad's a Buddhist, so I was raised as a Buddhist mm. and that was part of the tenets of our faith that uh, growing up. Um, Do you want to talk about, can we talk about religion? Cause you just, yeah. I don't know if it's good for political candidate cause conversion from one religion to yeah, another. Yeah, 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 yeah. What's that about? Um, what age? Uh, I was 14 um, and I became a Christian and I was well informed and I... Because it was a cool thing to do? No, I, I was searching for belonging. You know, at yeah. that age, you really do search for that and you look for that. And um, I was invited along to church by some friends at school. And um, I think there is, there's a sense within everyone, there's something bigger out there. And whether you believe, you know, 
in Jesus or you believe in something else, like there's a sense of a bigger purpose, something out there. So for me, there was always that in my heart that there must be something bigger than just me. There must be something, there must be a higher being of some variety. Um, And uh, then I, yeah, got invited to a church with my school friends and became a Christian because I I found um, what I was looking for, I suppose, like, you know, that high being, that high purpose. And and for me, that's what um, works. And for others, it's other things, but that's for me. How'd that go with your parents? Well, I've just explained to you that they're tiger parents, right? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. So they thought it would disrupt my studies. That was like oh, their big thing. They're like, you they're can't, you know, you, you can't get too involved because it'll ruin your studies. But it wasn't and, like and, you and must remain Buddhist. Only got a 90, 98, no, so yeah. uh, it ruined my studies. <laughs> they were correct. <laughs> so it wasn't like you've, you've left our religion, because that could be a sticking point for families. Um, no, it wasn't. It wasn't. It was like our, our family is very diverse. My mum's agnostic. My dad's... Buddhist, as I said, my brother's atheist. We've got some Islamic family members as well. Just, you know, it's um, Malaysia is a real melting pot of, is, yeah. um, of people and even more so is Australia. Yeah. So, um, no, they, they, it, it was, they, they um, were very accepting of it because, I don't know, okay. apart from the studies thing. But I think I say all that to say that that's one of the compelling reasons why I feel... A, a, I suppose, a call to serve. Yeah, that's where um, it comes from. That's yeah, what I was trying to find. Yeah, and I think as well, that's something that my husband's family w- really had in their um, family as well. Um, uh, my husband, Fraser, his dad was in the police force yeah. and they served in that way. And his mum, I think, won some Australia Day honour. Sorry, Chris, I don't know the specific yeah. title that you won. But they, they've always had family serve. Like, in their family, Service. it's always been a, um, a culture of the family that they serve. Mm. Um, his grandfather was in the police force as well and just always giving back. And I, he's from the country, yeah. so from country Victoria. And I think you really do have that in, in country towns. There is this element of, of being part of the there community. Is, yeah and being really um, embedded in the local community. So Fraser was in the CFA and, you know, things like that. And it's just, you're called upon to be part of the community and give back and serve the community because mm. that's just the way it is. Country people are the best, eh? No, they're, they're fantastic. Well, I, I, th- I thought so enough to marry Fraser. So, yes. I found yeah. my wife in the country. Oh, really? Yeah, Where's she from? the country one afternoon, threw a line out and picked her. <laughs> She's from um, the Southern Highlands in uh, Sydney. Oh, uh, there you go. I was from Sydney City. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, it's country people are amazing. Yep. All right, so that's cool. It's cool to see, you know, that you have values and yep. where they come from a fairly stable place. It sounds yep. like they're not going to change mm. very easily when mm. the next pandemic comes. It would be nice if some of our politicians had a similar conviction or values, whatever those values are. It yeah. feels like they're very opportunistic. Yes, Do yes. you um, have any thoughts on how you're going to survive in a political realm? which can be very opportunistic and you've mm, got to do mm, what needs to be done. So mm, even in the Liberal Party, yeah. good people yeah, like yeah, yourself and yeah. Ryan Smith and Matt Guy, yeah. people I've had conversations say, look, mm. at the end of the day, we couldn't quite stand up for this because the electorate yeah. won't support, even though we know we should. Mm, mm, we can't. We've got mm, bigger fish to fry. And yeah. so you have to make some compromises to get, would it prefer the, the good over the best. Are yeah, you prepared for that? Because there's an, an idealism yeah. in a good way about you. Like yes. you're awesome. Yes. But yes. that's going to come up against some, some cynicism or reality in yes. politics. Yes. Can you give an example of yeah what you... So for ex- I'm trying not to betray confidences, but let's say <laughs> a bill comes up in the future when you're a, a member. Yep. 
Yeah, yeah. Let's say you really don't agree with it. I mm. mean, you've got some people in your party now with um, what's more redeeming has very strong mm-hmm, uh, mm. views on, say, abortion, right? Mm-hmm, mm. So if something comes up before you in the Victorian Parliament and you're a sitting member, mm-hmm. which I think you will, will be, even if Daniel Andrews gets back in, you might still be part of the opposition, right? Um, you will have to vote. What do you do if you, you have a conflict? Your, your party needs to vote one way for expediency mm-hmm, mm. and you really feel strongly you can't vote that way you're going to have to either compromise yourself or well, compromise your career progression well yes well no the the great thing about the liberal party is that it is a party of ideas mm. so we have john howard famously called it a broad church that there were just there are all sorts of different people in mm. the liberal party and all sorts of different beliefs and obviously it's center right and uh, that's what it is um, in terms of political ideology. But there are so many diverse views within the Liberal Party and that's why Howard called it a mm. broad church. Mm. And the great thing about the Liberal Party is that you are able to have your own values and your own ideals and ideas. So unlike the Labor Party where it is constitutionally bound mm. that you vote the party way and despite your own preferences or your mm-hmm. own... Uh, values or what have you, if you don't, you know, I think it's constitutional that if they don't vote that way, then they are expelled from the party. Well, we don't have that. We are able to cross the floor. We're able to have opinions. We're able to raise these things. And I understand that you've got to, there might be, you know, times where you'd have to have the conversation in private rather than in public because you want to try and maintain a strict um, or, or rather a disciplined, um, you want it to look like a united front. You don't want to look like a of kind of mishmash of... Have those discussions in private. Yes, yeah. yes. Yeah. So I think um, I've certainly given that consideration yeah. and uh, that's why I'm with the Liberal Party because you can, you, you, it, part of our value or rather part of what we believe is that freedom of opinion, freedom of ideas, freedom to believe what you want to believe and not be um, curtailed in that. And that's, I think that's um, something that's a bit of a misconception that, oh, they all think this way or yeah. in the same misconception that I'm a Palestine male. Like. Yeah. So how far would you want to go with politics down the track years into the future? Ministries and oh. premierships and that kind of thing. Is that um, open in your mind or is it a definite no, you just want to represent Box Hill and then get out? Like, what's your plan? I want to represent Box Hill to the best of my ability and, and whatever that looks like um, with whatever opportunities come up, sure. But You'd keep, You would keep going? If, yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. I mean, first and foremost, I, I want to win the seat. That's yeah. what I need to do for this yeah. uh, um, election and we want to get rid of Dictator Dan. That's that's true too. Um, so when you said, oh, you know, even if he would have oh, I'm like, no, please, no. <laughs> um, well, if he does win, we need people like you in there, yeah, genuine people to yeah, still take the fight him to, to him. Yeah. Exactly, exactly. So, um, yeah, I mean, first and foremost, it's about the electorate for me. And, yeah. uh, you know, you want to be a good local member. That's what a member of parliament is. They represent yeah. their local area. And so that's what I think about first and foremost. And then if there are other opportunities that come from that, I'm absolutely open to them. But... Um, for me, as I said, what grounds me in all of this is to serve the community and to make a difference for the people of Box Hill, but also Victoria um, from this lens of coming from the charity sector. So that's 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 kind of my key objective. Yeah, but I want <laughs> ministers and premiers who have that motivation. Yeah, 
yeah. instead of what they clearly don't have that now. Yeah, yeah. On no, both, more yeah. common on Labour side, but it is on Liberal as well, mm, in, in mm. other states especially. Mm. It seems a bit more self-focused. So yeah. I would like to see you progress. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I know it sounds funny because, you know, you were saying it's not it's not meant to be that way and you know, their, amb- their ambition or, oh, yeah. you know, but I think that's why... Um, I don't know. I just am not your typical politician. I'm not. I'm not here to. We're ready for that kind of a premier to, to be quite. <laughs> maybe Matthew Guy will get in. That's great. But you know, I really am ready for something else. Um, all right. Hey, let's talk about some more cultural stuff, if you don't mind, to, mm-hmm. to end, end up. What do you think of the world today, where it's going? Anything on your mind? I feel just like a we're in a broad very question, yes. existential question. What do you think about? You can't just think about Box Hill. Do you pay, do, do you pay attention to <laughs> I just, international I just, news? All I think about Box Hill is just every day, every yeah, minute. No, yeah. I'm joking. What do you, no, of course what I, do you yeah. pay attention to? What are you interested in? I look at American politics a fair bit and I wonder whether we're going to follow them. I look at recreation a lot. I'm fascinated by um, a human's distinction between, like we can talk about political, but then there's another side to you. You may like running or you may like chess or cooking. Mm. And I'm, I'm fascinated how we're multi-compartmental humans and somehow mm-hmm. those compartments don't talk to one another. Anyway. Um, there's like really existential. I, I, this very broad. What do you do for, for fun? <laughs> yeah, thank you. That's a good question. Yeah. I just like to hang out. Like I, friends. Yeah. You're friends. an extrovert. You seem pretty I'm, outgoing. I'm the hugest extrovert. I, you know, in terms of people who get energy from being around others, yeah. I'm, I'm very extroverted. Um, I'm 31, so I'm younger in the sense of some of the politicians that we have. Not that yeah. that's because you want diversity of, course, of ages of as well as professions and ethnicities and all of those things. Um, but um, so I'm just, I don't know, I'm kind of your typical millennial. Still just, trying to figure ourselves out. No, no, no. More just like, I just like hang out with my friends. Like, I just okay. like, I don't know, like just... Do they, um, do they share similar political views or not? Do you not talk about politics? We talk about politics, but there probably is not as um, strong of an interest in politics, ah. which I find in millennials, again, it'll be diverse, but um, some people are really disengaged with politics. Classic was a friend of mine that <laughs> that I'd heard. And this, and this is something I think about where it's, I'm obviously immersed in politics yeah. now, but prior to this wasn't. Yeah. And we talk about politics all the time because we're, you know, talking about campaigning, talking about winning the election, blah, blah, blah. But then that can become a bit of an echo chamber and bubble in itself where people just... Your friend in, group? No, no, no. In the political oh, realm the political where people yeah. just talk about, you know, that. Yeah. So it's, it's nice to have friends outside of that because then it just gives you a bit of a dose of reality. Like where, hey, guess what? People don't care about... Is that what they say to you? That's what good. You, what you're talking about. You need or, to hear that. <laughs> you know, where people... There might be people, let's say, in our party that are stressing over... Um, <laughs> I don't know, a certain headline that's The chief up. of staff stuff. Most Maybe. of the people are like, whatever, just... Exactly. <laughs> and then so my the, the great thing is that I'm out in the community every day. Yeah. And so when people would ask me from within the party, what's what's the word on the ground? They're a bit nervous. My power bills. Know, that's what's what what the word on the and ground. And it's like, not one... And I can say this, no, whatever, like not one person in the community in the electorate has raised it with me. Not one. But the media is running all on the chief yeah, of staff issue. Yeah, and then, you know, anyway, so... This is a classic, right? This And this speaks to how people might be disengaged. Mm. And um, it was the federal election and I was helping do the polling booth at um, Box Hill, the pre-poll booth at mm. Box Hill Town Hall. <laughs> it got back to me that a friend of mine who's, I think she's 33 and 
um, you know, works in the corporate sector, but just disengaged with politics, mm. had told another friend of mine, hey, if you go to Box Hill Town Hall, you can vote for Nicole in this election. Mm. And I was just... Hilarious well, because well. it was A, the federal election, yeah. I'm standing for state politics, yeah. and B, that's not how so an election do? works. She rocked up and tried to vote for you? No, no, no. She, <laughs> she, she knew that wasn't right, but yeah. like this is my, my good friend yeah. telling another friend this is how politics works. And that's, I don't yeah. know, that speaks to how people, you general punter, I don't, it doesn't consume their every day and all of, you know, what's on their minds because you're right, they're thinking about the cost of living. They're is that thinking what we're thinking about? Power millennials? bills. Millennials, we're thinking about that? What are we Cost of living. About? Yeah. Um, I know we're, everyone has to think about it to a degree, but I feel like millennials are a bit mm. more, we care about, okay, so around the world, the cultural mm. movements for um, uh, LGBTQ recognition, um, BLM, a lot of that is mm. driven by our generation. Yep. We yep. care about that stuff. Yeah, because we care about people, I would say. And that's, that's, that's a blanket is. statement. That's generalization. But, but there more is, than other there generations. Is, no, 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 not, not, not more than other generations, but there's a compassion and there is a um, sensitivity in our generation that yeah. um, is a lot more accepting and embracing of yeah. diversity, yeah. which um, I think that's a, a fair statement to make. Uh, another thing about this age bracket, both millennials and Gen is it Z. Are you a millennial? I'm a millennial. Yeah. You'd be on the tail yeah. end? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, Gen, Gen Z, Z I think, that, yeah, Gen Z, I think they're like in the twenties. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, is the you know, I think I read somewhere that half of millennials, for example, get their news from social media, whether it be Twitter, Instagram, wow. Facebook, and so if the narrative on there is mm. very woke, mm-hmm. then woke. that's what they're digesting, that's what they're consuming, then that's what they're going to believe. Like that's going to inform their understanding of politics of social issues, of uh, finances, you know, all, all of that online space. Now, it's interesting even to see with Twitter what's happening there where, he, you know, Elon Musk is like, show me who the bots are. Oh, yes. There's yes. no bots. Like, you know. Yeah, know. <laughs> um, Can I test you? On? On numbers. On numbers of what? It's just for fun. It's pop cycle. Yeah. It's, for example, the media, <laughs> the, what you said, the millennial yeah, yeah. Um, perspective of the world yeah, filtered yeah, yeah, through yeah. social media. Yeah. I wanted to find, there's a lot of talk at the moment around in Victoria around yeah. um, LGBTQ rights and trans rights and so on. Yeah. So I wanted to find out how much of the community that is. Mm. What percentage of the community do you think in Australia mm. identifies as LGBTQ? I looked it up from Rainbow Health Victoria, I, which is a gay organisation. I should know this, but it is marginal. Uh, really? I'm going to guess. Because I thought it would have been 30, 40% based on the media I see. Maybe yeah. 40 is too high. Yeah. What 20, is it? 30. What, do you want to guess? You reckon no. it's low? I, I, I reckon I've read this same thing. Three. Yeah, I was going to guess that, but I didn't want to lowball it, you know. Uh, yeah, well, it goes up if you narrow the age group under 25. There's uh, more of us who identify as... It, it, yeah, it skyrockets yeah. from three yeah. to four. Yeah. So Skyrockets. 4% <laughs> maximum. Now, very important because the number of disabled people who need a wheelchair in the community is also quite low, two to 3%. And we make uh, great... Yeah. Um, yeah space yep. for them with disabled toilets yep. and so on. So it doesn't mean you shouldn't look after a minority community of 2%. True, true, true. Absolutely. And I think we need to be able to be embracing of all. And, of course. And, you know. But that's not what the media says to me. It no. makes me feel like it's 25, 30%. Absolutely. And interestingly, the millennial age bracket is now uh, about to overtake the boomers in... In number? In number. Yeah. So we Whoa. will become the largest generation 
larger than X. Yeah, the X is the forgotten. They're just little. Yeah, okay. Mm, and then, so. But that's scary because there's a lot of faulty thinking in our generation, I feel. Do you think? Mm-hmm. Okay. Don't you think? Okay. You, we were just talking about it. A lot of us are, yeah. are, are pushed around yeah, by yeah, social media. Yeah. Oh, I mean, I think there are people that are the silent majority because you, you talk about how that's a... Um, that community is 3%, well, the, that means that the silent majority is, not silent majority, but 97% that don't identify mm. um, as LGBTIQ+, mm. Plus, mm. Uh, that's the majority. And of course, I don't know, I think, yeah, in, in politics, it does feel like the, um, that there can be vocal minorities rather than majorities. I think you should represent accurately, like you said earlier. Across the board. Yeah. You should rep- yes, but also proportionally. Yeah. yeah. Our last census, Christianity's plummeted mm, to mm, 42 yeah. or 43%. Yeah, yeah. It's bloody high. Mm, mm. So we need our politicians to represent yeah. appropriately. I don't yeah. want everything to be about the disabled community. They're only 2%. I don't want everything to be about the Christian community. Only 42%. We need to be fairly representative of all groups. Yeah. And that's what... That's what democracy, in terms of our democracy, is about. It's representative. Mm. So it's going to represent and it's going to... You have to govern for all. Mm. I understand that. But you're right. It, it, it can't be a, um, a vocal few that dictate the policies for all when there are a vast number of lots of different diverse groups of people. It's same to be said even of Box Hill. Like I... I've spoken a few times about how it's 30% Chinese. That's but only 30%. Exactly. What about 70% There's 70% Greek of... and white and Italian and whatever yeah. else. Please represent those too. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Let's finish off with some simple questions that I don't get to ask many people because I don't have many millennial friends. So I think you might enjoy some of these, like favorite movie. <laughs> oh, I'm really bad at favorites. I don't know. Worst movie. Worst movie. Uh, don't Fa- know. Favorite place to go. Favorite place to go? Like food place or? Let's do food as well. No, but favourite place in Melbourne to hang out? Ooh, like, um, that's a movies, question. Movies, shops. What, mm. what <laughs> I'm a bit of a creature of comfort. I do, I do love my local shops, so I yeah. um, I like going there. <laughs> For yeah. food? Um, depends what, but I um, I live on the, the northern end of the electorate, so I go over into the other electorate, yeah. Doncaster, Westfield. Oh, I spent a lot of time there. Our yeah. old studio was up around there. Yeah, yeah. Okay. yeah. But what I spent a beautiful some... eating area on top of Doncaster. Yeah, it's Western. really nice. But mm. there is also a, um, a new centre, Burwood Brickworks, which is really nice. This is it further south down towards Glen Waverley? Yeah, yeah, near where I went to school. That's so that's also a... in the electric. There's nothing there though, right? There's well, there's a few there's... supermarkets. Let me just give you a hot tip, anyone that lives in Box Hill. Yeah. Burwood Reading Cinemas is fantastic. Recliner chairs. Oh, really? Gold cheap class. movie ticket, Cheap movie tickets. It's, it's usually like if you're wanting to just, you know, sometimes you can go see a movie and it's booked out and you can't get that session time. It's not usually the case. Burwood Brickworks is pretty Oh, so pretty the reading cinema is, is in the Brickworks. Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. Mm. Have you seen the dodgy Bunnings next to Doncaster Westfield though? Is it There's a dodgy a brand new, Why is it dodgy? Because it's not green. It's silver, like an Audi dealership. This is I why like you, I've gone past it many times. You have because it's the wrong color. As you look north, as you look at like Doncaster, Westfield, yeah. and you've got the east-west road, yeah. you run east out towards Warrandyte or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Just the next thing after Westfield is a big Bunnings, massive Bunnings. I know where the Bunnings silver. is. I don't silver. recall it being silver though, but anyway. Have a look when you're there. I will, I will. Best, where, where do you go for food? What do you like? Ooh. I told you you got a two-peck in Box Hill. They're in the Which city is closed. Well. I told you that. I know that's yeah. sad. In the city, yeah. they're still open. Yeah, and yeah. I said I like Hot Star, and then you said, "Oh, you can't come onto my show anymore." 
Because it's kind of crumbed. It's not the same batter, you know? No, but I liked crumbed. And Again, another hot though, yeah. tip for, uh, for Box Hill um, people who like uh, Chinese food. Yes. I think it's $12 for this giant piece of chicken. Hot for Hot Star, yeah. Okay. For that Hot Star fried chicken, which is Taiwanese fried chicken, Taiwanese and it's delicious. Chicken. They always use breast, though. I like a thigh for uh, Yeah, fried it's just chicken. more juicy. Yeah. 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 Hot pot. I had my first hot pot. hot pot at Glen Waverley. That's not in your electric. Wait a minute. Are you that... saying that you're half? I'm half. Chinese and you had your first hot pot how recently? Less than a year ago. Oh, wow. 36. In Glen Waverley. That's not in your electorate, right? No, it's not. Oh. Where did you go? Dragon hot pot? No, no, no. There's this, there's this car park out the back of Glen Waverley yeah. and there's this random tower of like five levels and each level's a restaurant. Yeah. And there's no other buildings around it. And in there is one called My Delight. Uh, hot pot. My you know, delight and, hot pot. Yeah. And there, there's a, yeah. like a, it's like a hawker center, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's amazing. Yeah. yeah. Uh, okay. Yeah. All right, so hot stars, your, your food. No, it's not my favorite food. I, two, my favorite cuisine is actually Italian because I'm a really? sucker for pizza and pasta. Oh. And just any carbs. How do you go with the carbs? Does it affect, affects me badly weight wise? Oh, yeah. Look, um, I've noticed that um, since hitting my 30s that it, yeah, it Slide. doesn't. Metabolism yeah. What do you yeah. do for. Uh, workout do you exercise <laughs> yeah I'm, I'm one of I think it's a real millennial thing I go to um, group fitness so I was at F45 do you like F45 I loved it I loved it and I now at BFT which is similar, similar? type of franchise um, group fitness still explosive type yeah movements, yeah circuits that kind of thing yeah I just like going and being told what to do because if I go to the gym by myself I'm like what do I do? Yeah. Okay. You know, or like, where do you start? Do I, should I do some squats? Or like, you know what I mean? You're like, I don't know. And I wasn't very athletic growing up because... Were you a nerd? Tiger parents. Yes, you're a yeah. nerd like me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, I, like, I'd, I was just horrible at sport growing up. So, I, I didn't really... It wasn't I until... I panic, panic attack when sport was on. Because I, I, I swing and I miss and oh, laugh, no. people laugh at me. Oh, yes. Oh, my gosh. That was yeah, me. Yeah. I, I had this distinct memory where... Like speaking of memories that seared into your brain yeah. of when I first played cricket Ugh. and I went to an all girls school. So um, it was a bit, you know, they're a bit more friendly if you're not so good at, you know, sometimes boys will make fun of oh. you if you're bad. At, anyway, not to generalize, but no, it's I was, true. I think I would have been year five or something like that. And it was my first time playing cricket, which I don't know why I was so late in, in primary school, but nonetheless, I remember going up to the, the base and swinging far back to try and get some momentum uh -oh. forward yeah. and it got stuck in the wickets oh. and I was trying to shake it out, but I was stuck. And I remember just, I remember seeing my male PE teacher doubled over in the distance, well, just think... cracking up, laughing at me and everyone laughing at me. Well, the girls I mean, are laughing. I thought the girls like, it's okay, laughing. it's okay. No, and I was just like, it just those moments where just, they really discourage oh. you from really wanting to participate in sport. Yeah. <laughs> So yes, I was a bookworm. A bookworm. Mm, and what did you? I love to read non-fiction stuff. I loved encyclopedias, dictionaries, quote books. What were you into? That's crazy. As a child. How dare you? As a child. Yeah. Really? As an like encyclopedias. They're the best. Like, would you read it cover to cover? Well, it depends. You have the time to get through the whole lot, but it eventually, yes. Very precocious. One of my favorite. How dare? One of my favorite <laughs> websites when Wikipedia came into existence. Yeah, but that's all. You can it write whatever issues. you want. I know, I yeah. know, I know, I know. But yeah. suddenly I had this open knowledge. Yes, that might be false, but... Yes. Yeah. <laughs> how, what were you reading? I, um, you know how I said earlier that my parents um, had to learn the English language, yes. you know. Um, they were very passionate about me being um, very adept at speaking English. And especially because... You grew up here. 
I grew up here, but because um, uh, they both spoke Mandarin at home, when I went to kindergarten, this is a story mum always tells, that um, all I spoke was Mandarin because my grandma came and lived with us oh, for a year yeah. and um, spoke only Mandarin and Cantonese. And my parents brought me up only speaking Mandarin and Cantonese. And when I went to kindergarten, they were so worried that I wouldn't be able to make any friends because all I spoke was Chinese. I only spoke Chinese languages. So um, the story goes that two weeks after going to kindergarten, you know, you're just so absorbent. You've got yeah. kids like you're yeah. so absorbent yeah. at that age. Yeah. You just yeah. you just learn so easily. Two weeks in, all I spoke was English from no that way. moment on. Wow. Yeah, yeah. So what, what's your native language then? Would be Mandarin? It's Mandarin, yeah. And do you think in Mandarin? No, unfortunately. Um, you think in English? Uh, no, not unfortunately, but I probably um, lost a lot of those Mandarin skills because oh. I was I was really desperately trying to fit in, so I, I just would only want to speak English. Um, so, uh, yeah. So English I, is your main jam? Yeah, it's my main jam. Um from time, like now I'm 31, it's it's all in English. Like I used to sometimes dream in Mandarin. Wow. <laughs> um, but mum and dad, like I said, they were just obsessed with me just improving my English so that it would help them improve their English. So what were you reading then? That was a I read. Dictionaries. Uh, yeah, dictionaries, just straight up, yeah. No. They're good. The <laughs> no, 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 I, I read a lot of um, Babysitter's Club books. Yeah. That's, so fiction, yeah. Yeah, a yeah. lot of fiction growing up. And my par- my mum subscribed me to some, I forget what it was called, where they would send you, it was actually the Babysitter's Club Little Sisters oh, books. Yeah. And you would get a new um, book every, I don't know how often it was. And yeah. I would read those religiously every day. Um, and was just the biggest bookworm. And um, anyway, that's... <laughs> okay. Well, uh, thank you for coming in uh, and for answering my questions, whether they be serious or frivolous. It's been good to get to know who you are. And I'm, I've been all the best for Box Hill. Paul Hamer is, is welcomed uh, on the show to come and answer my emails for once, but I somehow doubt he'll show up. So I think we deserve better politicians, politicians who listen and actually represent us. So good luck. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. Mm. Oh, if people want to follow you, yep. uh, I'll put links below. You're on Facebook and all of that kind of stuff. Yeah, even yep. on TikTok. You're on TikTok. I'm on TikTok. Wow. Do you do yeah. the dances? No, I've never once danced on TikTok. What do you do on TikTok? Then? I think you, like, you shouldn't be on TikTok unless you know how to use TikTok. That's just kind of, I think that is yeah, okay. pretty fair. But um, it's the most used social media platform. It does, you don't, people don't say much on it though. I dump all of our shows on our little segments on. Oh, do you? I dump, yeah, but I didn't know that. I'll go follow you. It, yeah, it's pretty boring compared to the dances, isn't it? It's not just dances. It's like it's it, you know like there's comedy and stuff. comedy and, and fun stuff. I've got some fun stuff on TikTok. My dad features on one of my TikToks. All right. Yeah. Follow Nicole Winner on TikTok, and if you're in Box Hill, uh, I will refrain from telling you who to vote for. <laughs> But uh, let me say this, um, perhaps this election we need to think more about um, the individuals and, and if you have some really good individual politicians, then perhaps regardless of the party, you need to, need to support them because if, frankly, even Labor, I don't want to get back in. Mm. I also don't want to kick out all of the good Labor people and keep the dodgy ones. So anyway, uh, thank you for joining us. I'll let you go. Thank you. Hope you enjoyed it. Thank you.